Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Inside the Locked On Senators podcast, I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And we have one simple question today. Which right shot defenseman is best suited to start training camp with Thomas Shabbat? There's the incumbent, Nikita Zaitsev, played most of last year there, but two new guys, Erica Branson, Josh Brown, who fits best? We'll get Pilsy's take on that. And with the NHL-EA game finally giving us an update with the new 2D jerseys, we know you started your franchise. What's the first move? That and more. This the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Friday, November 6th. We've got some fun topics ahead, Pilsy, but first... We got to talk some mascot. You dropped on Twitter that you were belly for just a day. Yeah, just that one fateful day. And hey, shout out right off the top, shout out mascot uh, people. I don't, I don't know the proper title, but that is a hard job. Like I was athletes. Yeah, mascot athletes. I like that because those suits not only are they heavy, hot, not breathable not weight balanced at all your head weighs like 40 pounds and then the rest is just like a sweater you put on but uh especially when you got like a trail of like 20 kids like tugging at your uh costume trying to get pictures or mess around with you that must be tough when i did it i got asked to come in for a shift for belleville nine in the morning i was like you know what all right we're gonna do some promo shoots and stuff like that Little did I know the mascot athlete did not end up showing up for that shift. So I volunteered to do it. I was skating around on the ice and I tweeted, uh, they had to find me skates. The only skates in the building were Yarosh's old skates. Luckily they fit me. So I put those on, put the mascot suit on, nobody in the crowd and I'm dancing around waving my arms. We did this for hours, honestly hours. And then we went into the dressing room and what do you call those, um, it's like a spinning pedestal. You know what I mean? For like photo shoots. So you get the guys doing like, usually you see the team players doing it and they're like doing like epic, like poses, like the stick, the stick shot. And so I was on one of those spinning around, like pumping my fists. And I, it was actually pretty fun. Not going to lie. I was like all sweaty and tired after, but I was like so excited to see all this footage, all my hard work on some of their new promos. Yeah, apparently they didn't like any of it, and all, all of that was for nothing. But it was a fun shift. I got to be belly for a day, and uh, once again, shout out to the real mascot athletes. That is not an easy job. Wow, I can't believe it. And not only did you go and help them out by just being there, but they didn't use any footage, nothing? You didn't see anything? Nothing, nothing. Like, I, I was shocked. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think I did a good job. I've never been a mascot uh, before, so I was probably a little awkward. But I thought they would at least use a couple shots in transition or something. Nah. You got to at least have some footage on your phone, right? Can we tweet something out at Send Central? Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get a tweet of me in the mascot costume, not dancing or not doing anything. You don't get that's exclusive stuff. You got to pay for that. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll tweet me out in the costume for sure. 
Speaking of paying, I know a lot of Sens fans paid for the new NHL video game every year. Usually it's September. You had to wait that extra month. You fire it up, but but wait. The the old logo? The old jerseys? Are you kidding me? So I know a lot of fans, like ourselves included, waited until the update yesterday. The 2D, the black jerseys, all in the game. Another thing you have to do is pump Stutzla's overall just a little bit. Just 70 overall. You can look at the draft that you end up doing year over year. Top three picks are always like 78 and above. So I'm not starting with a 73rd overall pick. That's just not happening. But we put out on Twitter, what's the first move that you do when you start a franchise mode with the Ottawa Senators? Well, I pull up the tweet and we'll get some of your responses. Pilsy, what's your move? My first move, and I think this was similar to uh, a lot of people, get Brady Kachuk extended. Eight-year deal right away. That's without even thinking. Boom, done. Now, after you extend Brady Kachuk, does the C go on his jersey? Or, I mean, I know your team, Shabbat. Yeah, no, sorry, guys. Number two is uh, the C goes on Shabbat. Obviously, Brady gets an A. And I, I think I made Tierney the other assistant captain. So, Kachuk and Tierney, two assistants. And then uh, Shabbat gets the C. I made Connor Brown the other assistant for now. Nice. I, I think he's going to be there in a middle six role for, for a decent amount of time. I thought about Gabranson, with, which, I mean, kind of gives away maybe what we'll get to in our next topic, which is which defenseman will best be suited to play with Thomas Shabbat or where who should start training camp there. Have your say there at Send Central on Twitter. I've pulled up as well the responses to the tweet, what you guys do before I get into my first move. There's some crazy ones. The drift is way out in left field, and we have to lead off with our Send Central citizen buddy. He says he starts as the Leafs and then relocates them to Ottawa. I guess he just doesn't want Toronto to Wait, but then team. does he move the Sens back to Toronto then? It's an old switcheroo. No, I think that he just double Ottawa teams. Ottawa needs to be like New York and LA. They're yeah. on that same. I mean, pedestal. they got the market for it. They can do it. Um, Lauren Geller has a great one. He says that as pictured because the photo that we attach from EA has the updated white and black jersey, and they use Brady for both. So Lauren says, as in the f- picture, I duplicate Brady Kachuk, which isn't the worst move. Although you can actually do that in the game. It's called getting Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, I was going to say. A clone. Uh, we're seeing a lot of this trading comrade Zaitsev. Um, poor guy. Buy out Anisimov. I mean, I don't think you're struggling for cap space. So I think you just let that one play out. Maybe even send him down. Let him play with Abramov in, in the minds. He's got <laughs> that chemistry going. <laughs> no. um, Jordan McMillan will finish off with this one. I think this shows some serious commitment. But I appreciate the hustle. Jordan creates all the NCAA players that aren't in the game. What do you think about that move? That's a must. I mean, geez, with UND prospects not already in the game, there goes half the Sens prospect pool. So, yeah, that's a smart move for sure. It is kind of strange, though. You got a fifth overall pick, and he's he's not, not in, there. in the video game. Like That yeah. had a lot of trade value in, in 20 because they already had the, the pick transferred from San Jose. So you lose a little bit there. But uh, I appreciate Jordan. He also says he trades Logan Brown for a top D sometime this season what do you think if if logan brown were to get traded right now pilsy what would the return look like honestly i don't know because i feel like the perception of logan brown is so cloudy now like maybe a year or two ago his trade value would be i would assume higher than it is now but now nhl teams are looking at this guy being like this is a high draft pick a couple years ago he's got big size and he's never really been able to crack an nhl roster and he's had injury struggles so i don't know if teams are willing to uh, put up 
that much as they would have before for Logan Brown now. In, in my opinion, and I think, Ross, you share the same opinion, keep Logan Brown for at least another season or two. Give him, give him a real good shot in the NHL. See what you can do. I think there's some untapped potential there. I don't think he's the guy you ship off right now. Now, as I figured out when I started that franchise mode, you're looking and seeing what the opening day roster could look like. That's where you start struggling to find a spot because unless Colin White's going to play the wing or unless, and this is if Stutzla comes over, if he plays the wing, then you can start seeing some space open up at center. Otherwise, like Colin White, Chris Tierney, Tim Stutzla, I'm hoping if he does come over, he plays in that spot. Artem Anisimov. I haven't said Logan Brown. I'm already at four. So where, where does he fit in? How can he make himself a valuable piece down the middle? Well, I mean, he's, he's going to have to at least beat out Anisimov. That's, that's the first challenge, I guess, right? Like, that's the first hurdle. And for me, I don't, I don't see Stutzla coming over right away. So that opens up a center position in, in my mind. And Pierre Dorian has made it clear he's going to start, or at least the last we heard, he's going to start Stutzla on the wing when he does come over. So again... That, that's another center position cleared for him. I've got Logan Brown slotted as a third-line center between Balsers and Batherson. Okay, well, if Stutzel's playing the left wing, though, then Balsers' spot becomes a little less certain as well. So there's still lots in Galchenyuk, another wild card, whether DJ Smith sees him playing down the middle or I've got him as a winger. I don't think he's left played, wing, eh? Yeah, I don't think he's played uh, a lot of center minutes in quite some time. And people I've talked to said he projects better as a winger. And we, we need someone on that left side on, unless, yes, yeah, Stutzel's coming over right away, which I don't see happening. Do you think that rounds out the top six then? So you're looking at Brady Kachuk, let's say Colin White, just for the sake of that they played together a lot last year. And then Connor Brown, let's say on the right side there. Then on the second line, are you looking at Tierney, with Galchenyuk and yes. Batherson on, on the other side or Dadanov? Dadanov. Of course, of course. Yeah, so I've got uh, – my first line actually is Galchenyuk, Tierney, Dadanov. Second line, Brady, White, Brown. Okay. Connor Brown, just to, just to yes, be clear. Yeah, so, yeah, so Connor where, Brown. we got three Browns. We do have to specify. Where do you have Logan Brown fitting in then? Because I put him in – Third th- line center with Balsers and Batherson. Oh, right. Okay, so I have him at fourth line center. I had uh, Tierney at second line because my first move before we move on to Shabbat's D partner is signing Tim Stutzla and editing him and changing him to only a centerman. I don't want to see him play on the wing at all. And then I extend Brady eight years, and we know that this is uh, one of the ongoing debates on the Locked On Senders podcast is that I staple the C to Brady Kachuk. Now, one staple in the Sens lineup, though, for sure, is that Thomas Shabbat is the number one defenseman. His partner, utmost importance. They don't have to be the most skilled, but they have to be smart, physical, a stay-at-home mentality. Huh. Hey, if you can build a Mark Mathot clone, make him a right shot, that would be ideal. Now, the Sens went out and got a couple big bodies who fit that mold to an extent in Erica Branson and Josh Brown. But, hey, Nikita Zaitsev played 400 minutes with Thomas Shabbat last season. You can argue the results. Pilsy, who are you voting for to start training camp alongside Shabbat? Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting uh, training camp decision, along with a couple others we're going to keep teasing along with you guys. But, yeah, Zaitsev, 400 minutes with Shabbat. Only Hainsey played more, but they played a lot together, Hainsey and Shabbat, 593 minutes according to Natural Statric. But 
I, I, don't, I don't love the uh, idea of Zaitsev playing top pair minutes. I'd rather have him on a bottom pair. So right away, by default, Zaitsev's out. So for me, it's between Brown and Goodbranson. And I think Goodbranson has more NHL experience. We talked to uh, Jason Hernandez of the Locked On Ducks podcast, and he said at times that Goodbranson was playing, he averaged over 20 minutes of ice. And at times he was playing 24, 25 minutes a night. So he can handle the ice time and He's a bit of that yin and yang to uh, Shabbat's offensive mindedness that you get good Branson playing a more physical shutdown role where he's going to be blocking shots, making hits, and focusing on keeping the puck out of his net while Shabbat can focus on transitioning the puck and starting offense. Yeah, I like where your head's at. I would select, and I did vote for Erica Branson, but let me make the case for Josh Brown too because this is a player who Dorian is very bullish on. He's been talking about how he's just scratching the surface. So you have that growth aspect where you're like, okay, Erica Branson's probably just here for one year. But if you pair Josh Brown there and he fits, this could be something you can see further going forward. I mean, even the, just the fact he signed the extra year now – We've lauded the fact that Gabranson played alongside Cam Fowler to great numbers. Josh Brown's most common partner was Keith Yandel down south, so he knows kind of a river vote gambler-esque defenseman there. Now, where I'll vote for Gabranson, though, is that Gabranson's numbers with Fowler much better than Brown's numbers with Yandel, although that, that Panthers team, a bit of a mess in their own zone. So I'm excited to see them both in the same system. But just pulling up, and if you type in Cam Fowler, Erica Branson, just on your Google search, the first article that comes up, I'm just going to read you the lead and, and shout out to Felix Sicard of the fourth period. This is out of his column. Great partnerships can form in unexpected ways. Just ask the Anaheim Ducks, whom in their wildest of dreams probably didn't imagine that Branson and Cam Fowler would form a legitimate shutdown pairing that would redefine their decor as a whole. That's a pretty high praise, no? Redefining a decor as a whole is a bold statement. So, yeah, I mean, those are those are heavy words to take on. And I, I kind of see what you're saying about uh, Josh Brown earlier. You're, you're like, okay, he's a younger guy. He's going to fit in with the system a little longer. But I think you give him give him a little time to adjust at a at a lower role and then maybe he grows into that role once good branson either is traded at the deadline or his contract's up because i don't see good branson being extended to be honest so i think josh brown could eventually grow into that role but i don't think if if we're going by the poll question which was who do you think will start training camp with shabbat or should start i'm going good branson yeah, should is the key because whatever DJ Smith decides, that's what's going to go down. What I like, though, is how close the results are. Now, it's still the early returns, only 200 votes in, but we're at 37% say Josh Brown, 36% say Erica Branson, whereas only 26 want to see that Zaitsev uh, disaster of, of a pair. And with, with Zaitsev, the thing is, like, I just don't think he makes good enough reads in the defensive zone. So he's always, Shabbat's just running around trying to make up for what Zaitsev is unfolding rather than what you want, which is just a steady, calm presence. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm not about to say Zaitsev is an amazing NHL defenseman, but like he can play at the NHL level. And look, you've got him signed for four more years at a big ticket. So you don't really have much of a choice. So at that point, why stick him up against the hardest competition and expose him? Why not have him play bottom pair minutes? He can, he can help uh, a, a younger defenseman kind of 
mold into the NHL at, at like, I don't know, 10, maybe 12 minutes a night, a little more comfortable role and up against less skilled players. Cause yeah, like you said, I found Zaitsev a lot of the time when he was playing up with Shabbat against those top lines, those skilled guys are just, they know to target that side of the ice and it was just becoming a big problem. So yeah, I think Zaitsev's time as Shabbat's partner has, has ended. Well, not only that, but the other team's top lines would pray on on that pair in their own zone and Shabbat's at his best when he's in the offensive zone I think most players are but you you need to get him the opportunity to play in that zone and to do that you need big defensemen who can separate body from puck but then be smart enough to then turn with that puck they've created and get it in the hands of Shabbat who is a one-man breakout team and transition team and then you get on the offense and you try to score more goals I'm confident that the goals will come with Evgeny Dadanov and others probably scratching the surface I don't want to put too much pressure on guys like uh, Batherson just yet if he can contribute at a third line role right now I'll be impressed with that one thing when we can talk about top prospects Drake Batherson Eric Brandstrom Sean Foisey replying to the tweet about starting training camp with Shabbat I said let's get crazy throw franchise out there what do you think of the possibility of would that be the nuclear option what would it be if you had Brandstrom playing with Shabby yeah I mean that's that's interesting and it's fun to talk about I think the the only situation and scenario I see that happening is a top power play unit I think that uh, could make a lot of sense or if you've got a, a scenario where you've pulled the goalie and you want your top two offensive defensemen out there then Hell yeah, throw out Shabbat and Branstrom. But if you guys have been listening along to the show, you know we are big supporters of you got to have that yin and yang on defense. You want that offensive-minded defenseman that can start the transition and get the pucks to those talented wingers and centermen to score the goals. And then you want on his other side a defenseman that's really focused on shutting down the other team's top lines and making sure that he, like you said, he can stop the other team and then get the puck to Shabbat to start that transition. So in that sense, I don't love the idea of them together. And you want to spread out your your top talent on the decor. I don't love the idea of having them both on the top pair and then the two bottom pairs are a little uh, a little less skilled and easier for the other team to attack. Not only are they the two best offensive defensemen, but they're also the two best defensemen in transition. And there's only one puck. It's as simple as that. So why have two defensemen who are the best at it when you could separate them and always have one of the two on the ice? So all I'm saying, and I know Sean's thinking for a lot of people here, would be fun to see Shabbat and Branstrom play together. But when you have the ability to break it up into two pairs, especially they're both left shot. Although I am of the mind that Branstrom could easily play the right side going forward it just seems like the right side is set right now like those are the three guys and could we have included Artem Zubin there sure Yarosh yeah we could have but it seems like those three have the inside track to start opening night so that's why we narrowed it down and the results are coming in we're going to get back to that and get a total tally on tomorrow's Send Central Citizen Saturdays always excited for that conversation so you can check back in should be out around noon tomorrow but Pilsy a little schedule update going forward after that yeah yeah we're going to switch things up here uh, now that it's the off season and we're still going to pump out a lot of content for you for you guys but we're thinking of going Monday Tuesday break Wednesday Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So that way you don't get two days in a row without your Locked On Senators podcast. We don't want to do that to you. 
Yeah, and for the network, it's they're going down to three shows, but we, the Sens are too interesting, and there's too much going on now, 240 days since their last game. We've got some more interviews in the works. It's just been a little bit busier, and I feel like a lot of the insiders, a lot of the hockey world is – This is their not, summer break. This is the summer break. A lot of vacation time. I mean, Leafs lunch got put on hiatus for a few weeks as well. So, yeah, definitely in the deep depths of offseason now. We've had a couple uh, interview requests where we get the response. Uh, actually, my wife has told me if I do any more interviews, she's going to kill me. So I'm taking this week off until my wife lets me come back or a significant other. That seems to be the response. So we're letting everybody take their breaks. No breaks for us, though. We can't stop, won't stop. No, not at all. Well said, Pilsy. Yeah, but it's going to be one of those situations where you hold the hose so that none of the water can come out. And then when you let go, the water pressure just rockets. So we're building up all these interview requests. And then once we are able to, but first we need a date. The NBA announced their date. That's something we'll hit on tomorrow. It's December 22nd. How long can the NHL realistically wait past when the NBA gets going? A league that's followed the NBA's lead every step of the way we'll save that tomorrow but for today we say adieu for brandon pillar i'm ross levitan this has been the locked on senators podcast your team every day